Esports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 in conjunction with Hawaii Pacific University proudly presents Sharks Weekly, a deep dive into HPU athletics and who are this week's standout performers, which program is making a splash in the classroom, community, and on the field, what are the upcoming schedules, all these questions answered and more coming live from the HPU Esports Arena powered by DSC Hawaii on the Hawaii Pacific University campus at Aloha Tower Marketplace. Here's your host, Hawaii Pacific University's Vice President and Chief Marketing Communications Officer, Jeffrey Rich. Aloha, Sharks Nation. We are back from the winter break and live once again from beautiful campus of Hawaii Pacific University here at Aloha Tower Marketplace. We are broadcasting from HPU's eSports Arena, powered by DSE Hawaii. I am your host, Jeff Rich, and we are back to cover all the happenings across HPU athletics uh, through the spring semester. So this morning, we're going to be talking uh, women's basketball with assistant coach uh, Timothy J. Dunham and uh, MBA student Ashley Nunez, hailing from the great state of Texas in the town of El Paso. Uh, But before we get into basketball, let's say hello to our in-studio sidekicks, HPU Sports Information Director, Mr. Marcus DeWall, and our in-studio producer, Mr. Paul Breck. Gentlemen, we haven't seen each other in, what, three weeks now with the break? Um, How'd it go? Any fun happenings to report? Yeah, it was was pretty nice. I got to go home back to California over break. Uh, Got to spend the, the latter half with the women and men's basketball team, and so... It was fun. It was weird being back in uh, California as a visitor and being back in the Bay Area as a visitor, but had a really good time uh, at Academy of Art and Dominican seeing our teams play. Nice. And it really wasn't much of a break for you. I remember we talked before uh, before the break on our last show that um, there was no rest for the weary here with HPU Athletics. You were going to be out and about covering things through oh, the, yeah. the winter break. Yeah, making sure our men's and women's basketball team gets covered. And then we have all our spring sports starting up. It seems like the, like the same exact weekend. So uh, <laughs> just getting that all taken care of before the season starts. Nice. Well, we're glad to have you back and uh, energized for uh, for the spring term and covering all the fantastic happenings. Paul, what were you up to over the break? Uh, well, I, I mean, you said it. There's no rest for the weary. Uh, I I still got a chance to kind of relax a little bit, but had some family come out, had a friend come out from college and, you know, who was playing the host with the most for a few weeks. And then uh, obviously sports don't stop during the uh, holiday break as much as other people people love to, to wish for that to be happening but nonetheless um it was super fun got to take in some really really high level games both i mean men's volleyball just started over at uh hpu i haven't necessarily got my fix quite yet uh in this new year of basketball, but I'm really looking forward to both the men's and women's teams as they start to get into the meat of their conference schedules. Yeah, I would agree. It's going to be an exciting uh, uh, semester for men's and women's basketball. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk basketball here this morning. Um, so let me let me introduce our, our two in studio guests. Um, we have assistant uh, women's basketball coach uh, Mr. Timothy J. Dunham, and um, uh, MBA student. I was gonna say senior guard, but you're you're graduated now. Um, uh, Ashley Nunez. Um, so welcome, guys. Uh, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. It's an honor to be here. We thank you for inviting us over. Well, we're glad to have you. And Ashley, are you uh, you ready to go for the spring term and, and the the season here? You guys, you guys started out a little rough here, three and seven, but um, three and three at home, or three, three and three at home, one and three in the conference. But are you ready to ramp it up and really start to hit the home stretch here? Yeah, definitely. Um, we play tonight, um, first home game of the year. Um, we got students back on campus, so we're really excited for that, and you know, just to start the new year with a win. Nice, nice. And you're so you're from Texas, but what did you uh, hang around over the break? I imagine with with uh, with the basketball team, you didn't have a lot of time off over the winter break. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've been used to it every year. You know, we only get five days off for break, but very grateful to go home and you know spend what I got with my family and. Um, yeah, I was able to spend some time with my little brother um, and my niece and just my my, my family, really. Nice. Uh, being a long way from home, a couple of days is is really needed. So We're excited to be back and uh, back to some nice weather here on the islands and a little beach time when you get a break. Mm, you know, yeah, but I also really like the cold, so I was happy that I was able to experience a little bit of the cold <laughs> and I guess the seasons, really. Um, I do like yeah, I do like the cold. Wow. Well, I can appreciate that you like. I'm not a fan of the cold, and I spent my break. I went back to uh, the very cold state of Minnesota, um, wow. but the weather wasn't too bad. It was you know in the 50s, which uh, I mean that's warm that time of year. I can remember years that I lived there where I was cracking ice in the driveway with a sledgehammer to. Mm. Uh, break it up. But spent a little time in Minnesota where my family uh, uh, gathers. And then I went back to the East Coast, uh, out to Williamsburg, saw some old friends at uh, my old stomping ground, William and Mary. Um, we'll talk a little football later because we've got the William and Mary Bowl coming up in the NFL playoffs between the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers with uh, Coach Tomlinson and uh, Coach McDermott, both hailing from William and Mary. Um, so we'll talk that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to uh, uh, talk to uh, Coach Dunham here because we were chatting before and you you have been at this for 35 years um, coaching basketball back uh, from your days at Chaminade um, you know but you're a legend at Chaminade in the Hall of Fame and in the Hawaii State Hall, Athletics Hall of Fame so a really illustrious career uh, congrats on all the success how does it feel to be uh, to be one of the elder statement statesmen of, of basketball here in Hawaii well you know um, <clears throat> some years ago when we did have that great upset over Ralph Sampson and the Virginia team. Me and players got together just about three months ago because um, there's nine of us still communicate with each other. And we discussed it and we said we weren't even thinking about it when we was playing it, that after 40-some years, this game is still miraculous. The greatest upset in NC2A basketball. Did you see the documentary, The Great? was it The Greatest Upset No One Saw, I think was the title yeah. of it? They seen I've seen that they're in the process now of trying to make a documentary, uh, documentary, uh, as well as trying to make a movie out of this, um, Merv and the Mir Merv and the Miracles, which is our head coach of Merv. So it's, it's exciting. It was great then, and it's still moving forward now. So 
I don't know. I'm just excited about what is, what the end going to be like. Yeah. Well, you were telling me earlier one of your uh, 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 moments of, of memory that you'll never forget is dunking on Ralph Sampson. So what was he, 7'2"? Seven, seven no, 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 no. Don't cheat him. He was 7'4". <laughs> <laughs> he was 7'4". And it so happened as a big pinnacle part of the game that turned everything around. Our momentum shifted. Because we was in the game the whole time. But then... We needed a special play, and our special play was a backdoor alley-oop to me. And they threw me an alley-oop, and I looked down at Ralph. <laughs> you know, he's all over the floor. He's 7'4". Yeah. So we, we, we was able to be successful that way. So I was glad about it. It helped me to get drafted. Wow. So you got drafted by Portland. Portland Trailblazers. And we were talking earlier about the amazing <clears throat> talent on that team. Uh, Clyde the Glide Drexler and... Mm -hmm. Boy, tell us a bit about that experience. That was a great experience. It really was. Um, Jack Ramsey was the head coach then. He was quite a dresser, wasn't he? That guy. Yes, he was. Dress. Yes, it was just like Merv Lopes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, this guy would come out. You know, this is you know the seventies and, and the eighties. He'd come out in these like you know checkered pants with a, yep. with a purple sport coat. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. That was Jack. He came out. You know, and he told me on the first day we met that I'm a, I'm gonna put you in a room with somebody's head bigger than yours. I said, I don't have a big head. So he roomed me with Clyde Drexler. And Clyde was the nicest person you ever wanted to meet. Very quiet, very, very, I think he's underrated as a basketball player. I really do. Because he's one of the, I think he should be in at least 150. You know, you know 50, I mean. Because he's a good ball player. He's a strong ball player. And, and legit 6'7". Yep. Now he you know, he went to Houston as a, a college player, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken, with the five five mama jammers or whatever they call them. That's right. Like then, yeah. Now, did they play Virginia in the NCAA finals? Or am I thinking was that uh, or was that maybe? I thought no, Samson no. Virginia and, lost early in the finals. Oh, that that's year. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, so yeah, so Clyde was from Houston, so back mm -hmm. uh, you know not uh, too far from El Paso, I guess. But you were saying early, so you you weren't familiar with Ralph Sampson or or Clyde Drexler. No, I had no idea who he was. Ashley, when you think back about, you know, old era NBA players that um, you remember, like who comes to mind? Who's, you know, who are some of the older players that aren't playing anymore that, you know, you view um, as some of the best, best players of all time? Um, I actually really like Dennis Rodman. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Heck of a rebounder, though. Yes. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, Jordan, me and my dad really like Jordan. Okay. Um, so I, I guess them too. Do you do you remember the old, you know, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird uh, era? Or was that you know, just way too kind, early for you? Yeah, kind of. I mean, my dad would talk about it here and there and stuff because he really liked, you know, watching that. And, um, he was a soccer player, though, but he was a big fanatic of uh, Michael Jordan. So. Okay. Yeah. Wow. yeah, you know, boy, it's, you look back now, and uh, boy, that was the golden age of, of uh, basketball and all the amazing players that were coming through uh, in the 80s, and that rivalry was just amazing to watch. Marcus, yet, uh, what's your thought on uh, some of the old-time NBA players? Well, I just think about how, like, an achievement, like Coach Dunn being that, that 1983 draft, because you have some like the the league's greatest players that came out of that draft. I think it's one of the, if not the best, like one of the like top three best draft classes in NBA history. And then I was just, I, would li I like to, I was looking on Wikipedia today, just looking at who uh, Coach Dunham was drafted before. And I, I didn't realize he got drafted before uh, Manute Bull. Did you? Yeah. 
There was another guy who was seven six, wasn't he? Yes. Wow. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break because we're a little over our first segment uh, with some interesting conversation about the old NBA. But we'll be back in a moment. You're uh, you're listening uh, to uh, Sharks Weekly here um, on the beautiful campus of Y Pacific University. I'm Jeff Rich, your host, and we will be right back. You're listening to Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Networks, 95.1 FM and AM 760. And we're back. And hey, don't forget that you can uh, catch all of our Sharks Weekly broadcasts by visiting the Hawaii Sports Radio Network uh, website and looking for Sharks Weekly. Um, This year, we've rolled out something new. You can um, see what's happening in studio during our broadcast with a YouTube live stream that we've uh, broadcasted. So we're talking women's basketball ball here. Um, we've got Coach Dunham um, and uh, Ashley Nunez from the team, who is uh, an MBA student. So you graduated last year, um, and you're, you're, you're thinking career, right? So I think I'd, I'd read you want to be a, an FBI agent or a family attorney. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm strongly wanting to pursue law school um, once I'm done with my grad school. Um, I've been really fortunate enough with in the past years to uh, do some internships with some really high attorneys um, back in El Paso. Um, so it's definitely, um, you know, heightened my experiences. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, law school is something I do really what, want to pursue. What's the asp- uh, inspiration for you, um, just you know, in family practice in particular, what's what's been mm-hmm. the driving force behind that interest? You know, I, I've, um, I have really no no attorneys in my family um but i had a a family situation that happened where i was able to be in court and it just really inspired me to you know want to just help people um especially the welfare system and um you know just kids really yeah um but yeah well, it's a great um, pursuit and certainly something that can have an impact on other people's lives. Um, are you targeting a specific law school? Um, you know, my dream law school is UT Law, um, but, you know, that's that's the number one school if I could get in there. Do you see yeah. going back to Texas and leaving Hawaii when uh, when you mm. graduate? You know, I, I've, I've thought about it, but um, it's also there is a, a law school here at UH Hawaii, uh, so... There is, you know, potential there, but um, yeah, I'm I kind of going back and forth with that yep. still. So yeah. And this is your last year of eligibility. So did you get the extra year from the pandemic? Uh, yes. So okay. uh, this is my extra year right now. Wow, so. that's probably the only silver lining for so many of the students that went through that experience. Is you get to you know you get that extra year of eligibility, you can extend it into grad school, which is uh, a little not you know not all that usual. Um, but you know, as I was looking through your, your profile, so um, we always like to ask our, our guests uh, what's their, their their superstition, their sort of thing to get ready, and, and you put you drink coffee. Yes, I am a coffee lover. Um, <laughs> very much so. I, I drink a lot of coffee. Before the game? Before the game, yeah. I have a... Did, wait, does that, does that hurt? Because I can remember, <laughs> you know, it, you know, athletes that used to drink like a can of Coke or something. You know, it's like, you know, something sugary that is not good to drink. But does that caffeine fix help? It Give really does. I, I mean, I think it does. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel off if I don't drink at least like my coffee right before a game or and I won't drink it that morning because I have you know coffee in the morning all the time 
but when it's game days I typically wait until it's like two three hours before the game and then I'll have my coffee <laughs> for the day yeah <laughs> all right so have you you've kind of adapted to the cuisine out here on the islands and um, and taken a liking to uh, was it uh, Kailua pork <laughs> Kailua pork yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I really like the Hawaiian dish of Kailua pork and um, Okinawan sweet potato purple sweet potato yep. um, yeah I went a couple months ago to my very first luau and it's where I had it there and I just was like it was just so good <laughs> um, and I just really like the purple sweet potato I make it at my house sometimes and it's really really good nice well it's it's kind of a, an obscure unique uh, thing to eat out here <laughs> yeah as there are many things that are not easily available uh, you know I keep talking about my love of apple bananas and nobody else in the country seems to know what an apple banana is uh, <laughs> until you get out here Wow well I'm glad that you've enjoyed your uh, Hawaii experience um, and uh, yeah it's nice you consider to stay and, and go to law school out here yeah <laughs> cool yeah it's um definitely just really grateful to be out here and you know I, I never would have thought if you would have asked me three years ago being here in Hawaii, I would have absolutely been like, you're crazy, no. So definitely very grateful to be out here. Very nice. Well, all right, so I want to go around. We were talking earlier about um, you know some of the old timers and the NBA and, and Tim, some of your experiences um, with Portland and Chaminade. So let me start with kind of going around the table and uh, favorite NBA players. I'm going to start with you, Ashley. Um, for me, LeBron James. Yeah. LeBron. Yeah. It's, he set the standard in the modern era. That's for sure. All right. Who do you look up to, Tim, when you think about um, NBA players that you admired back in your playing days or even now? But, you know, who hits your radar? Well, you know, um, <clears throat> there's several, several players that I, that I believe that is a standard. And one of those is Ray Allen. Ray Allen, yeah. Yeah. Ray Allen, he's just calm and, you know, he just plays basketball. He knows what he's there for and just do his job. And as well as my roommate, Clyde Drexler, by all means. You know, because me and him still communicate and things like that. We talk a little bit. Um, if I was to look at a big guy, it would be Michael Thompson. You know, Mike Thompson, me and him had great communication. And uh, when we was at Portland and we talked well with each other. Now, some of the players that I thought was way out there was Wayne Cooper. And I said way out there in the mannerism of when I was a rookie, he bragging to me about how much money he got in the bank. But he came to me looking at me talking about, you, are you going to pay, you going to take me out to breakfast and pay for it? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> wait, wait. He was bragging about how much money he was making, but asking you to take him to breakfast? Yes. I said, That's not, it's good not a good way to start that conversation. No. For a free, a free no, meal. No. <laughs> All right, so those are some good ones. What about you, Marcus? Who do you uh, look back and, and think, man, that was that was the guy? Yeah, so you know, growing up in the uh, in the in the East Bay, like especially in like you know early two thousands, mid two thousands, like we just had a lot of sucky teams, and I think I think it really helped, you know, you know, grow some character and learn how to, you know what it's like to lose and. I learned a lot being a Raiders and Warriors and A's fans in the early 2000s, and so yeah, the but, Warriors were not the team that that people think of today. They were horrific no, for no. decades. So when, when you'd go to a Warriors game, you'd go to see like the stars of the other team, and so <laughs> uh, 
I, so I remember going to Oracle and just like <coughs> going to see like you know Kobe on those mid two thousands teams and like you know like you'd see like way more like you see like you know a couple hundred Warriors jerseys you know a couple of Jason Richardson jerseys out there but. Uh, one of my favorite players like, growing up was like that's what really like started the turning the tide of, of Bay Area sports was the the We Believe team and so the when I think it was 2006 uh, you know the Warriors entered the playoffs like the eighth seed and Dirk was coming off one of those crazy years where he you know MVP year actually for him and then you know the Warriors just like I think they got to be if not like the only but one of the only eight seeds to upset a one seed in, in the playoffs and so. I just remember uh, I got to go to game one and I just remember like or no it was like the game three because they hosted the first two and I just remember going there and just uh, Baron Davis like mm-hmm. dude just like he wasn't that he's probably like six foot like with shoes on but uh, and he I just remember like the way he played like just like some people just like embody like the the city they play in and you know the Warriors you know like not like on paper, like the, they probably shouldn't have made the playoffs that year, but you know, just one of the teams that snuck in. But like, if you're scrappy and if you if you have like a city that gets behind you, it's like, it's one of the great equalizers in sports. And so he definitely like, you know, I got to see you know Curry and Thompson and Green make their rise there. But you know, before all the hype and before it was just like that, we believed you know Jason Richardson, you know Donald Foyle, like all those guys. Uh, like that's my favorite team, like players and team. Of nice, all time. Yeah. nice, Paul. What are you thinking? I'm thinking about, I'm pretty sure Donald Foyle played close to where I grew up for at least a year or two. Um, the question is, favorite player? Is that... It could be favorite, you know, somebody you admired, you thought was a dominant player, Oh, my perhaps. gosh, I admire so many players. I mean, my <laughs> goodness, I look at these guys, and they're, they're phenomenal. Um, growing up, I often looked at Chris Paul, simply one, because my name is Paul, and I am corny like that, but also because I really appreciated the way that he played the point guard position. Obviously, people refer to him oftentimes as a point god and whatnot, and just the way that he had an understanding of the game, I very much so had an appreciation for and it was something that I tried to model my game after obviously as a Knicks fan um, I love guys like like I love Mello I love Carmelo Anthony um, one because the Knicks were dreadful pitiful for a large portion of my childhood until he came and now Jalen Brunson Julius Randall those are my dogs I mean they Marcus you talk about having players that embody the the place that you play in and that's something that a lot of Knicks fans fell in love with with this team and uh, teams of previous years very recently is the hard nose aspect and that's something that that you see everywhere right where you just kind of fall in love with these players who they put their head down they don't make excuses and they go to work and they excel and those are two guys right now especially Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle that I, I sit here and I'm like man because it, it's also and Tim, you could probably speak to this a little bit, knowing people who have played at the highest level, the, the media criticism and, and whatnot that comes along with it. Like to be able to be at the top of your task while also in the crosshairs of everybody else. I don't know. I have a lot of respect for people like that and people who are able to succeed and thrive in situations like that. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. You know, I came of age, I remember uh, the team, I'd grown up in Buffalo, New York, uh, and the first basketball games I became aware of, 
the guys don't even. The Buffalo had a basketball team, the Buffalo Braves. Mm-hmm. They ended up becoming, I think, the Clippers. Mm-hmm. They moved out to California. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, that team, I remember going to see uh, Ernie D. Gregorio, Sven Nader. Uh, Marvin Barnes. I mean, boy, some names from the past. But Marvin in that era, Barnes. do you remember him? Boy. I played with him. Did you? <laughs> Man, those were some, some old, old-time old players that knew how to throw that rock down. Boy. But in that era, um, one of the guys that I was uh, uh, really a fan of, um, somebody I'm guessing that you've met, Bill Walton. Bill Walton. Bill Walton. So coming out of UCLA, mm-hmm. following up after Kareem, mm-hmm. dominant college player, although uh, – you know, he's on that team that lost that uh, that long winning streak that they had and ended up winning the championship in Portland, overcoming all of those injuries yes. and then having a second career in Boston. Mm-hmm. Did you have you got a chance to meet him or ever? I didn't get a chance to meet Bill, you know, per se and things like that. But, um, you know, he was in the circuit, you know, around him there. Um, but he was um, he was a great player, as you said, but injuries plagued him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing. But he was a good, good, good center. Man, that that guy played on a completely broken foot. Mm-hmm. The bone spurs and just, yeah. Well, hey, we're going to take another quick break, um, and we will be back, and we'll talk more basketball. We're going to get a look ahead here and what's been going on the last couple of weeks at uh, HPU. I'm your host, Jeff Rich. You're listening to Sharks Weekly, and we will be right back. the DSE Hawaii eSports Arena on the Hawaii Pacific University's Aloha Tower Marketplace Campus. It's Sharks Weekly on 95.1 FM and AM 760. And we are back live on the campus of Hawaii Pacific University at the DSE eSports Arena here talking basketball. And we're going to talk a little football this morning too given the news about uh, Belichick leaving leaving New England. But before we, uh, we go multi-sport today um, Marcus, you, you, as we were saying earlier, you didn't get a lot of time off over the winter break. You were making the rounds, following all the HPU teams around the country, seeing what's going on. To give us a little taste of what's been happening the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so uh, like I said, uh, right before break, the, the women's basketball teams played in the, the Hoops in Hawaii Classic, and that was a, that was a really fun and special time. Uh, for the men's side, you know, they upset number nine, San Bernardino, and so... It was a, just a great win and great performance by Melo. I think he dropped like 31 in that game. Something. He just, there's some times where just Melo just is like the best shooter on the planet. And it's, it's amazing. And that game was one of those moments where he just goes unconscious and like he probably enters the, the second half with like eight points. Then you're like, what, he's at 31? And so, uh, and then they played against uh, Lincoln University of California. And that's always like, uh, you know, fun for me just seeing like a Bay Area team come to to Hawaii, and so it was cool seeing Gary Payton there. Uh, probably didn't have the best time there, you know, because we, we won, but uh, it was just a good show. They brought the fight to us, definitely. So hats off to them. But it was a good overtime win against them, and and then our third game in three days was against uh, Alaska Anchorage, and you know they they're a tough team, and they they got the best of us in that game. But you know the boy, they, the men's team just competed, and uh, you know I think. The conference had a, you know, a perception of how this team would turn out this season, and I feel like we're doing the complete opposite, and uh, we're going to turn a lot of heads, and we're already turning a lot of heads this season for the men's side, and then for the women's, they played a, they had a standalone game against uh, Carroll College, uh, an NAIA powerhouse, and you know, it was just a grueling back and forth game, and you know, we were able to pull one out, and uh, just a you know, a solid win to end the year off, and. Uh, 
the after break, well in the, well, in the middle of break after the new year, we started conference play again. Uh, both our teams took, you know, a loss against Academy of Art, but, uh, you know, they bounced back against Dominican. Our women's team, you know, competed well, and our men's team was able to pull out a win. And so, uh, you know, a lot of good momentum coming into this homestand, and we're running it back again against Dominican and Academy of Art. And so it's going to be a lot of fun home games. And then next week is when we start the, uh, the Hawaii portion of our schedule. And so, uh, you know, nothing I always love you know like rivalry games like I'm obsessed like you know like being an AP grad you know I'd get I'd cut off my right arm if that meant Bible would never win a game and so uh, <laughs> uh, you know so excited to you know see uh, you know our teams go off against go off against uh, Chaminade and, and Hawaii Hilo and, you know I think you know like the, the special thing about those games is that you know it, the record doesn't matter you know because you know hates the great equalizer in those games and so great and so uh it's gonna be fun to see you know uh some of the island's best hoopers just square off and it's gonna be exciting expect to see a lot of pack stadiums for that nice nice um now you mentioned uh gary payton boy that guy was a trash talker did you ever encounter him uh he played for what seattle was it supersonics yeah, supersonics the glove no i was blessed not to play (laughs) (laughs) what about trash talking you know you know from a from a player's point of view your experience and ashley yours well first of all do we have any trash talkers on our team (laughs) do we and does that get players up you know does that really get the energy flowing um you know i don't feel like we do i don't feel like we have a lot of trash talkers on the team you know get into it a little bit but it's nobody's jawing at somebody just to kind of throw them off their game not really at my old school i used to have this one girl and man she was tough she was a good player though i i respect her on that but here at hawaii like i wouldn't say too much trash talking but yeah what about you tim uh were you you a quiet player did you jaw at the other team a little bit and no, my team jawed out for me. <laughs> All I did was just play. I knew I was going to get 22 points. And my team knew I was going to get 22 points. That's what we averaged. And all they would do, all I would do was just play. Even when I dunked on someone, they say, well, he got more to come. Yeah. All I did was just play. Well, so who do you remember from your playing days as being, you know, the guy just, just would not shut up on that court and just kept going after well, the other team? Well, on my team, it was it was Tony Randolph as well as Ernie Petway. Okay. Uh, Mark Wells. Uh, Mark Rodriguez, my God. He was really talked. Um, but far as playing other teams that really talked some trash to us, not really. Okay. Not really, because I was going to do mine. Yeah. So you were you you made the statement with your game, not your job. Yeah. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Marcus, you were going to throw some thoughts out here. Well, I mean – there's not really any trash talking in, in cross country or, or track. And so, I mean, if you're, if you're trash talking, you're, you're not running fast enough. And so, but I, I would say if you had to take a poll in the, in the pack West, I'm, I probably talked the most trash for SIDs, you know? So Marcus yeah. is our resident trash. Yeah. Talk. You know, you know, when the, my, uh, my mentor, my, like, uh, my old boss, Ben Rosehart, we always like, you know, playfully go back and forth, you know, he, they're coming, you know, late in our schedule, but I'm like emailing him. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're not, you're not ready for us, dude. I'm like emailing him like in a polite little, you know, it's like, like dear Ben Rosehart, like you're not ready to get like shut down by Megan Jones or have Erica Glenn drop 20 on your team. Uh, uh, but it's, it's all in good fun. And, you know, it's always, a uh, it's exciting just to see like, you know, familiar, familiar faces, but yeah, I would, I don't think I've ever 
I think it would just be really corny if a cross country or track runner like talked trash. Cause I don't even think you have to. Uh, that's like the yeah, last thing on my I mean, mind. How effective that would be? You know, you're running, you know, 800 meters or whatever, and you know somebody's, you know, 50 meters behind you yelling, "You're getting tired now. I can sense it. I'm catching you." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, getting close. <laughs> just like I have an asthma attack after I say that or something. But. Well, that's the, that's what my thought was. Was like when you're running, I wouldn't want to waste my breath trying to yell and trash talk to somebody. I'm trying to keep my breath so I can keep running. Yeah, it's all, and also it's like it's just it's just non intimidating at all. It's like if someone t- talked trash to me and they're they're wearing like the, the the shortest shorts of all time it's like i'm not i'm not gonna take anything to heart what you're saying and so i think it's a little different if it was like you know like you know like the throwing events or like the the short sprints where like you know those guys are all jacked and and ribs and like i'd be like okay like i fear you but if, you know I, I was a long distance runner and so i mean you know skinny dudes wearing short shorts not the most like intimidating thing you know i'm you not gonna be careful yeah you're not gonna be my nightmares with that but oh, man. Wow. Well, we were talking about um, the upcoming games for the team. And as you mentioned, I think you've got um, the uh, Academy of Art tonight um, at the Shark Tank. And you've got Dominican coming up and then Chaminade on the 18th. So there's the rivalry, right? So you guys get really geared up for that game. How do you feel about that, Tim? You know, you must go into that game with a little bit of mixed emotions. You know, you, you played there. You're in the Hall of Fame. You've got all that history there. But now you're, you know, you're, you're bleeding HPU blue now. So what do you think when you go there? Well, my main thing is trying to get our girls fired up, okay. ready to play. Uh, you know, it don't make no difference who we playing. But it so happened to be Chaminade. We still want the win, you know. At the bottom line, we 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 going to a six six game homestead basically. Even though we here and we playing Chaminade at their place, and still we here. Yep. So we're looking forward to this six game. Of, it starts tonight. We have to get this win, and we doing everything we can to do that. So. Um, I'm looking forward to Chaminade. I really am. I'm going to go up and take a picture with my little plat again. <laughs> but yet and still, at the end of the day, I'm shark blue right now. Yep. Well, you guys are 3-3 three and three at home and 0-4 oh on the road. So you've got a homestand coming up. So you can get this record really onto the plus side um, with, with a strong uh, homestand. You know, Ashley, what's the difference from playing at home versus on the road for you guys? So you've had a lot of success, you know, in your home games, but not so much on the road so far this season. What's, you know, what's the mentality that's, you know, keeping you guys from, you know, hitting it harder on the, on the road games? I think um, it's really just when we travel, I mean – Obviously, there's a lot of excuses that could come up. You know, we're traveling for so far. We got to turn around, practice, shoot around, and there's so many excuses, really. But I think we just need to adjust to it, um, and just you know, I think we do a really good job playing together and you know, staying together, no matter like what the outcome is. Um, and I think we've been really working hard in practice. Um, obviously, these last two games on the road affected us because they were, you know, we should have won, um, especially Dominican. It was a tight game. Um, and so, you know, coming back home, we just we have an opportunity here, a home advantage to to win and to although we're going to Chaminade, we're still here at home. And, you know, we, we know we know how Chaminade plays. We, we know what we need to do. Um, to really just win and um, so yeah just taking advantage of being at home and um, just getting the win nice well I know you guys are gearing up and getting ready uh, Marcus you're probably going to be at that game covering it uh, yeah yeah, so, uh, yeah looking at the the women's record I feel like you know 
I've been at every single game, like home and away. And I'd say like the the two losses that we have uh, in like in the seven losses, I think two of them, you know, I, I count as like genuine losses. Like they, we just got outplayed by those two Washington schools. But the the other five, like, I mean, we like, I think all but one, we were leading at halftime. And so it's like, we're, they were just, we're, we're just one, like 10 minutes, like we're 10 minutes away from a being the flip-flop record right there. And uh, so, you know, you know, the record obviously doesn't show it, but I think this team's a lot better than, than what the record says. And uh, yeah, it's all about just finishing. Cause I mean, this team, like you, you've like been watching this whole year is like, we start great in the first half and then, you know, you know it kind of doesn't match our, our first half in the second half. And so definitely if we can play like we do in the first 20 minutes, I think that we can, there's still plenty of time to turn this season around. So, yeah. Well, you know, learning how to win is, is part of the, the challenge and uh, one of the objectives of coaching. And, um, you know, you guys got a lot of juniors and um, some sophomores. It's not an older team. It's uh, kind of a right in the mid prime. So maybe some of the early season losses are lessons to learn and ways to, to figure out how to really uh, win it down the stretch. All right. We are going to take our last break here before uh, coming back to our last segment. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Rich. You're listening to Sharks Weekly, and we will be right back. You're listening to Sharks Weekly on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network's 95.1 FM and AM 760. And we're back. And hey, I just want to call out a couple of our um, amazing sponsors sponsors that make uh, Sharks Weekly possible. Um, thanks, uh, Island Insurance. Island Insurance, local experts protecting local people. And uh, many thanks to JN Auto. JN Group, serving our great community since 1961. Now this is living. Um, um, well, hey guys, let's get back into uh, a little talk about HPU sports. Uh, Marcus, um, what's happening in the week ahead? What can we look forward to? Anything, uh, any any big games and big happenings that we should take note of? Yeah, so, you know, on top of our doubleheader tonight, we have uh, HPU men's tennis kicking off their season at uh, UH this afternoon. And so, amped for that because, I mean, the school kicks butt in tennis. I mean, our women's team went to the Final Four last year for uh, tennis and so... Always excited for that, you know. Uh, and then, you know, golf is, is going to start picking up soon, uh, later this month. And we have baseball and softball coming up. We have the first pitch by Anna on the 20th for men's ba- for baseball, not men's ba- for baseball. And then uh, we have the softball alumni game on the 27th. And so uh, a lot of fun events before the season, you know, gets underway. And they go on those gr- grueling schedules. Oh, my gosh. But uh, I, think, yeah, I think that's one of the toughest schedules in sports is – Baseball, softball, and then basketball is like just basketball because it's like basically a year-round sport. And then, you know, baseball and softball because you're playing so many games in such a condensed amount of time. And so uh, getting ready for those seasons to start. But, yeah, just excited for conference play. I think it's most – I mean, I get like, you know, it's exciting for the preseason schedule for basketball to play teams you normally wouldn't play. But there's something about Pac-West Conference basketball, which is just like – anything can happen like I mean you can be first like in in December and then all of a sudden you see yourself eighth place and you're out of the conference tournament and so really excited to see how things shape out for us nice well it's going to be exciting uh, week and we can uh, we can look forward to getting some recaps next week on what happens in the coming week um, but hey you know we were we were chatting earlier um, uh, just to uh, to change sports for a moment about the big news this morning and uh, uh, that is the departure of coach Bill Belichick from the New England Patriots um, which I don't think 
surprised everybody, but um, we were talking earlier about, you know, what drives some of these perceptions that you know, cause a coach to want to leave or, or a team to fire them. And, you know, is it is it the fan base really looking for success all the time and driving it? Or is it the media that creates a bit of a stir? And, you know, Paul, this is your industry. This is. Um, so <laughs> give um, us a perspective. Uh, it's funny because you're right. We were talking a little bit about it before the show began. And at times when you have successful programs, and I think you see this at the college level as well. I'm curious with Nick Saban retiring at Alabama, what happens there? Who takes that job? where once you get a place that is winning, a program, a franchise that is winning over and over and over again, that becomes the expectation. Fair or unfair, that becomes the expectation. You see it for the Yankees as well a lot of times, and that's a big reason why their fans haven't been happy for the last 15 years. And it's a mixture, right, where you have this minority of the fan base that is exceptionally loud about their disdain for a coach or a coaching staff and then from there it starts to pick up speed people either agree or disagree the media will start to pick it up and go on from there and it's difficult right especially at the professional ranks where it's part of the job right you're like yes i'm playing a sport but also it's a business side of thing and the business means i have to deal with the media and at some point i don't blame coaches for just wanting to step away from all of it i mean for Saban specifically, I would imagine that is a big portion of it. College <laughs> athletics has changed immensely in the past, I mean, two decades, one decade, five years even, you can say. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the reason Saban steps away. And then in New England with Belichick, it's tough because since Brady left, that's where you've seen the narratives from the media start to play a role where it's like, oh, can Bill do it without Brady. So, in answer to your question, uh, I think it's a mixture of both. I think the media starts to to really fuel the fire, but it comes from a fan base within. Yeah, but I think the the strength of the organization and its ability to um, to step above you know some of those fan perspectives, or certainly what the media is saying, is really the key to success in creating longevity and um, and continued success for a franchise. So I would I would point to examples like the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what? Two coaches in I don't know what forty years or something between Chuck Knoll right. and Tomlinson. Um, you know, look at what happened to Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Uh, you know, he has had pretty strong success there through his whole tenure and, and made great teams out of maybe not so great talent all the time. So I look at that um, change, for example, as a really short-sighted decision because the stability that he brought to that organization and the ongoing success through multiple years. Bill Belichick, you know, you could make the claim that, you know, his success was driven by Brady, but people forget about the success that he had before he had Tom Brady. Um, example, the Bills-Giants Super Bowl. Uh, that game, the most valuable player, not a player, but the most valuable person was was Belichick and the game plan that he came up with to stop that unbelievable offense that Buffalo had that year, the Kagon, where nobody could stop them. But Belichick came up with a game plan to run the ball, to control the clock, um, and that is what won that game. And it was Bill Belichick's game planning that did it. And I'm curious, uh, Coach, perhaps you can talk about this when it comes to being in the industry is that something that you just kind of have to 
come to grips with at times that part of the coaching cycle is that all things must end oftentimes like is it something that you think about uh where eventually you're going to have to leave a program or a franchise or whatever whether that be retirement or a mutual splitting of ways is that tough as a coach at all uh to a point it is you know things like that because um uh, most coaches all that I know like to win you know losing is part of the day you know that's part of the game but at the end of the day we want to know can we be successful as winners you know and everywhere I've been as well as um, Coach Alvarado where he's been we won you know so it's, it's difficult right now that we didn't got seven behind you know seven losses right now but at the end of the day <laughs> Most fans want winners. Yeah. You know, you just don't want to just be out there losing the whole time and just losing and having a good time. That is not a good time. You know, um, I would I would literally pull myself away if we can't all of a sudden get to the winning side of things. That's just me on a personal note. I think that makes sense, though. Is, is it one of the advantages of D2 sports versus D1 where, yeah, everybody wants to win mm-hmm. and, you know, and you're going to have to have some success. But at the end of the day, it's also about your education and, and the betterment of young people. Um, so there's a value in that um, that's maybe just as or maybe even more important than ultimately winning at the D2 or certainly D3 level. It is, you know, but um, I love the ideal of the academics. Academics is the most important thing. And we push that, you know, and the girls tell you that's just something that I always often time ask them. How your classes? How you doing in class? Because I know basketball is coming to a close. Yep. You yep. know, and I understand that, you know, but yet and still, we want the W. We want the always W. Want the w. <laughs> well, we're going to be looking forward to uh, a string of W's here on the big homestand. And, uh, sure. and I want to thank you, uh, Coach Dunham and um, Ashley. Continued success. And uh, I have no doubt that you are going to accomplish great things as you embark on your career. Um, and thank you for all that you've contributed to during your time here at HPU Athletics. Uh, Marcus, Paul, uh, as always, great job. Um, and we will hit it again next week with a recap of what's been happening um, over the next week. So. So thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Rich. You're listening to Sharks Weekly, and we will be back next week with a new show and uh, some new guests and some exciting conversation. Everybody have a great week. You've been listening to the Hawaii Sports Radio Network's special presentation of Sharks Weekly in conjunction with Hawaii Pacific University on 95.1 FM and AM 760. A special mahalo to Hawaii Pacific University Executive Director of Athletics, Dr. Debbie Snell, Hawaii Pacific University's VP of Marketing and Communications, Jeffrey Rich, on-site technical engineer, Paul Brett, and Operations Director, Kuule Agbayani. We now return you to regular scheduled programming on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760.